The second Bible reading this morning comes from Revelation chapter 6 and can be found on page 1290 on some of the Pew Bibles. Revelation chapter 6, verses 1 through 17. I watched as the Lamb opened the first of the seven seals. Then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, Come. I looked, and there before me was a white horse. Its rider had a bow, and he was given a crown, and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. When the Lamb opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come. Then another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its rider was given power to take from the earth and to make men slay each other. Sorry, to take peace from the earth and to make men slay each other. To him was given a large sword. When the Lamb opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come. I looked, and there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. Then I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures, saying, A quart of wheat for a day's wages, three quarts of barley for a day's wages, and do not damage the oil and the wine. When the Lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come. I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death, and Hades was following close behind him. They were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine and plague, and by the wild beasts of the earth. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign, holy and true, how long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth, and avenge our blood. Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and brothers who were to be killed as they had been was completed. I watched as he opened the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red, and the stars in the sky fell to earth, as late figs dropped from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The sky receded like a scroll, rolling up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and every slave and every free man hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. They called to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? Thank you, uh, Maddie, for reading uh, that chapter for us this morning. Uh, well, friends, let's, uh, let's pray as we look at uh, this passage. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We humble ourselves before you. We submit to this word. We pray, Lord, that your spirit will help us understand it and apply it in our hearts and lives. Lord, please forgive me for my sins. Use me for your glory and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, this morning, I wonder what you thought when we, uh, when Maddie read that passage, uh, Revelation chapter 6. Uh, what were your thoughts as you uh, heard God's word this morning? Well, if you're a visitor here today, uh, we have been going through uh, the book of Revelation, and we've been going through the seals. And this morning, we will hopefully, we'll see how we go uh, we might look at the, the sixth seal, the fifth and the sixth one, but we'll see how we go as well. Uh, d- let me just recap, because we've seen the first four seals uh, previously. Let me just recap what we've seen. So, in, in chapter 5, 
verses 1 to 5, he says, uh, John is, is banished in the island of Patmos. He says, uh, I saw the right hand, in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven, no on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside. I wept. This is John saying, I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. That is Jesus. So let me say then, we see a scroll that was written on both sides in the right hand of God, which had seven seals. No one was worthy of opening the scroll and to break its seals. John, in his 90s, banished in the island of Patmos, weeps. As John wept, an elder comes and says to him, do not weep. Look at the lion of the tribe of Judah. And then John looks, the lion has prevailed. Is the victorious line of the tribe of Judah, Genesis chapter 49, the root of David, Isaiah chapter 11. But when John looked up, he would have perhaps expected to see a lion. Instead, there stood a blood-stained lamb like one who had been slain in the midst of the throne. This is Jesus, the Lamb of God. We've established this. This is language that is pictorial. Jesus is now the lion lamb, the triumphant king, the slain lamb who is now standing. Imagine that. Keep that picture before you this morning. And this is the picture that John is given of who Jesus is. The triumphant one, the lion, and also the one who has humbled himself, the lamb, the lamb of God who takes away our sin. And so we've already established that the scroll represented God's plan and purposes for the ages in this world. It was written on both sides, indicating that it was full with no gaps for man to fill in, so to speak. The future, as John saw it, did not lie in the church's leaders or world leaders or that of any politician. Even though I must say some politicians think that they know everything, don't they? And the countries in the world is in their hands. It's not friends. They soon become yesterday's men and women. Can you remember who was the Prime Minister 50 years ago in Australia? Maybe you, you do, I'm sure you... you I, 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 I'm sure some of you do know, right? Uh, do you remember who was the President of the US 50 years ago? Maybe you do. But we don't really talk about them, isn't it? They are men and women coming and gone. Alright? Uh, 50 years time, unless the Lord comes before that, there will be a new congregation here. I don't even remember who this guy Chris Silver was. Who, who was he? Come and we go. It's an album, isn't it? Our life is like an album. That's a very fitting uh, introduction to this talk. It's a blank page, and then the story begins. And then there's an end time. And then what happens? Well, God knows what's written on every page. He knows what's written on the last page and nothing, my friends, takes our God by surprise. And so a couple of weeks ago, we looked at Revelation chapter 6, 1 to 8, where we saw the famous four horsemen ride out upon the earth. 
the white horse, the red horse, the black horse, the pale horse. We established that the white horse symbolized conquest and I refer to history to help us see this and to recent world events. The red horse symbolized war and we have seen the evidence of wars in the world and even to this day we are confronted with wars and rumors of wars. The black horse symbolized famine and economic hardship. This world is affected by famine. There is much hardship. It's a result and it results in much death. And the pale horse we establish is that of death. The color is that of a corpse turns pale, symbolizing death. And so the opening of the first four seals with the four horsemen of conquest, wars, famine, economic hardship and death are collectively judgments coming from that throne as it were into this world due to our sin, our turning our backs on God. And so friends this morning, we ought not to be surprised as we live in a fallen world and we see the consequences of sin in this world. Have you, I'm sure most of us watch the news, don't we, on our TVs? The first few minutes of the news, sometimes it starts with a great item, other times it's very telling. You want to kind of walk away and you ask yourself, what is going on? Shootings, killings, murders, rapes, wars, beheadings. We get all of it, don't we? It's a broken world. And so this will go on in this present age until Jesus comes with final judgment. So I hope this very quick overview this morning sets the background for our text today, which is 9 to 17. And as I said, we'll see how we go with this passage. We'll look at two points this morning, the cry of the martyrs and the coming judgment. The cry of the martyrs, 9 to 11. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, Sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood. Friends, this is the fifth seal. John the Apostle, he opens this. He is given to look in, uh, the, the Lord opens this seal. He is given to look into heaven. And the scene dramatically shifts from that of earth to that in heaven. Have a look at this. John sees an altar. Now we know that there is near, really no altar in heaven because Christ has paid the sacrifice, done everything for us. And Hebrews talks about that. The fact that we have now direct access because Christ has gone in. And John sees below this altar the souls of those slain. The souls of the martyrs under the altar. Now what about souls? I mean we say so and so it's a good soul, right? You use that phrase, isn't it? Oh, our poor soul. I only hope he or she understood what was going on or something like that, we might say. Well, what are souls? Friends, this morning, we are made up of body and soul, which is recorded, I believe, in Genesis itself, 2.7. And the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. This tells us that we have a real body, which is material substance, 
flesh and bone that struggles along the way, right? With all its aches and pains, correct? You don't get it, that's fine. Right? With all its challenges of humanity that comes our way, we have a material substance, flesh and bone. And we have a real soul, an immaterial substance. Uh, Dr. Asis Prowl commented on this, says, The soul as a created entity is mortal. It survives the grave only because it is sustained and preserved by the power of God. The soul of man can live without the body. The body cannot live without the soul. The soul of man can live without the body. And Jesus, our great Savior, confirmed it when he said in Matthew 10, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. So we do have souls. There is such a thing as life after death. I don't know what your worldview this morning is. Whether you are sitting here as an atheist or a skeptic and you are saying this is not for me this morning. Well, I am saying to you on the basis of what we have in God's word that this is for you. This is for me. And so in our text we see that John saw the souls of those who were martyred. He did not see their bodies. Their bodies would have been buried burned or drowned. Their bodies may have been subjected to torture or to torment as we know from the church history. And even today where Christians are being tortured and killed for their faith. I was reading this past week in preparation for this talk on the voice of the martyrs. Have you read that? It's all. You can Google it. You can see. Currently there are cases before in Pakistan for a lady because of her faith in Christ. In Iran, People have been imprisoned for their faith in Jesus. It's happening right now. Have a read of that website and see what's going on. To our brothers and sisters in Christ. So the souls were in heaven, friends, without their bodies and are now in a state of what we might call the intermediate state, which is the state before the final resurrection when Jesus returns. And then they will receive their promised resurrection bodies at the return of Jesus. Let me explain it very quickly in this way. When we die, the soul goes either to be with Christ or to a place of eternal torment. It's called an intermediate state. And we believe that in the providence of God, I don't know how he's going to do it. It's a mystery and a miracle that God is a God and he has his own mind. And in his providence one day, we believe that when Christ returns, that the soul will return and be reunited to this body. How he's going to do it, I don't know. And we'll be raised and given a new and a glorious body. A body that will see no more decay. A body that will have no more aches and pains. A body that has been fitted right for the new heavens and the new earth. And that is the glorious promise of following Jesus Christ. You know, we heard a testimony. We heard testimonies this morning, didn't we? And that's the joy of following Christ's friends. 
the joy of knowing this Jesus is the assurance, the 100% total, full assurance of salvation. That's what we see here. And notice, friends, this, that these souls are conscious. They are in a conscious existence. The believer's soul is alive in heaven after death, untouchable and safe. I was reading and I googled and I listened, reading to safe in the arms of Jesus. Do you know that hymn? And I also listened to Abide With Me as I was preparing this talk. And I reflected upon life itself. Safe in the arms of Jesus. Safe on his gentle breast. Abide with me, Lord. Abide with me. Fast falls the even tide. O oh Lord, abide with me. So we sing those Hymns at funerals, don't we? Why should we be singing it more in our churches? Because it reminds us that we are safe in the arms of Jesus. Yes? Amen? Yeah, just okay. Shout Amen. That's fine. Amen to it. Because this is so serious, friends. You see, these souls, remember the words of Jesus to the thief on the cross. Today you will be with me in paradise. These souls as we see in our text are not in some kind of soul sleep or in a state of unconsciousness. Why do I say Why do I say this? That the text speaks of it. There is the proof. There is the evidence. Look at verse 10 in your Bibles. Chapter 6 Revelation. They called out in a loud voice. How long sovereign Lord, holy and true until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood. So they are conscious. A sleeping soul will not be speaking unless you you speak while you sleep or something. But you see, these are conscious souls. Dom Piper puts it this way. The great theologian. The biblical evidence is that our soul continues on after death. And that we remain conscious in the intermediate state while awaiting our final destiny of resurrected existence in the new heavens and the new earth. So, brothers and sisters in Christ this morning, while the fifth seal refers to the soul of martyrs under the altar, the broader understanding from God's word is that all faithful believers' souls at the point of death goes to be with the Lord in heaven in the intermediate state. And what a comfort that is. We know what a comfort it is for those who have lost their loved ones in the Lord. Yesterday, I spoke to a lady. I said to her, you come in tomorrow morning. She said, uh, I may be, but it is too hard for me, Chris. It is too hard. It is Father's Day. My husband died. It is too hard for me. For me, for my children. I need time. I need time to just reflect. Now she's a wonderful, godly, Christian lady. But the grief, it touched me yesterday, last afternoon. The grief, the sadness. But we see here that there is hope. We know that our loved ones who have died in Christ are with the Lord. They are in his 
presence. They are enjoying his fullness and joy. And some have said to me, Chris, Pastor, I can't wait until God in his own providence calls me home so that I can be reunited with my loved one in heaven. That's the hope, isn't it? Is that your hope this morning? Is that the hope of the gospel? Is that what you believe today? Are you so serious? Are you serious about this? You know, I woke up this morning. So we all do. <laughs> nothing, nothing unique about that. First Father's Day. And I said, Lord, first thing I said, Lord, it's a privilege to be a father. I'm not the best father. I, I, you can ask my kids and I'm, I have all my faults and failings. But I said, Lord, you've given me another Father's Day. How do I live as a father? How do I serve this God? What can I do in response to your grace? And we know that time is moving on, right? We heard that with the kids talk. Time's moving on, right? Now you're thinking, Chris, come on, crack that time. It's moving, Chris. When are you finishing? Move on. Time's moving on. And so are your lives and mine. And you look at your photo albums and it will tell you a story. And where will you be in hundred years' time? Before the Lord? In His presence? Where will you be? You see, friends, blessed are those who die in the Lord. Revelation 14, 13 says, tells us this. Then I heard a voice from heaven say, Right! This, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord, for from now on they will rest from their labors. And notice, friends, as we look at this text quickly, that these, these martyrs, they died for two things. They died for the word of God. And they died because of the testimony. Two things. Because they honored God. They followed God. They died because of their testimony in Jesus. Because they wanted to live for Christ. And so that's the challenge for you and for me as well this morning. Are you going to follow Christ? You and I don't know what is in store for us. Will we be killed for our faith? We don't know that. Whatever it is, stay true to the Lord and his word. <laughs> Fits in well for David and Saskia as well, isn't it? And for all of us. That we stand for the testimony of our God. Have you professed your faith in Jesus this morning? Do you know this Jesus in a personal way? You may have thought about Jesus or, or, or you may have learned lots about him. Or maybe you don't know anything about him. All you know about the church is, oh, the church, the institution. Oh, the church, it has failed. Oh, the church, it is terrible. I want you to leave those presuppositions behind you for a moment. And contemplate about yourself and your faith in this God. And so friends, these martyrs have been faithful to the Lord. The challenge for you and for me is to be faithful to him. They maintained their testimony. They did not recant their faith. They honored the Lord Jesus in their lives. And think of the first martyr of the church, Stephen, who was stoned to death. And so these souls, they cry out, sovereign, holy, true God. They are not crying out for vengeance. They are not crying out for anything like that. They are crying out 
for justice and God will meet out his justice. The inhabitants of the earth, there are two groups of people on this world. They are the people of God and, they, and the others who oppose him. Final judgment to the cry of these people, how long is not coming as yet. We don't see that in the text yet. But then there's a change. And I, was, I think we will stop after this. We'll look at it next time. But I want to look at the change. Look at verse 11. What is, what's going on here? In verse 11. Then each of them was given a white robe. And they were told to wait a little longer until the full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters, were killed just as they, as they had been. To wait. White robes, friends. White. Symbolizes what? Purity, isn't it? We were looking at uh, buying a, a chair for our lounge room the other day. And I went myself on last Monday. I went to a particular place. I saw a beautiful white chair. It was reduced. That's a bargain, isn't it? It's 200 bucks or something. That's still a lot of money, but reduced from $600. Oh, well, that's nice. I sat on that chair. And then I thought, mm, it's white. That doesn't help, right? You'll see every spot and stain. Better to have a brown couch. You don't see any spots or stains, right? A white, terrible. You have a white car? That's another problem. You see every spot and stain. White symbolizes purity, isn't it? Symbolizes freshness. When, when a bride comes down the aisle, dressed in white, symbolizes here. She's coming ready for her husband. That's why they, I think, wear white. These people, these souls, were given white robes. That is, friends, it's a picture for us. That is that we stand before God. With your own purity? Do you think you can go before God and say, My Lord, you know, you know my life. I have lived such a perfect life. I am spotless. I have done, I have given money to the poor, I have sung in the church choir, I have, or maybe I have not been to a church, I have done this, I have done that. I am so good. You must accept me. If you don't, you are the loser God. Try saying that. No, no. He gives. You know, this is a beautiful picture, friends. I don't want us to miss it. He takes away my filthiness. Everything. Puts it on Christ. Takes it. And he gives me his robe of righteousness. And makes me pure and holy before this God who cannot see sin. This morning, where do you stand with this Jesus today? Have you put on by grace and faith this white robe? Do you know that if you were to die today, that your soul is going to be with the Lord? Do you know that? And then, God has given us life today. How must I live in response to this white robe? How must I live, friends? How should I live? I should live with joy and with gratitude and with thankfulness and say, Lord, thank you. 
that you have given me and you prepared me for eternity and every breath I breathe I want to serve you the life I live I want to live for you and we serve you friends John and myself I thank God for my brother in Christ John we, we meet regularly and we pray for you our desire and our prayer is to serve you as God's people and for you to know this Christ and to know the righteousness of Jesus in your life and mine. We will stop there. Come prepared for the next part. Not next week, but the week after. Right. But may God bless you and be encouraged in Christ. Amen. Heavenly Father, we have looked at deep and wonderful truths from your word. This fifth seal that speaks so much. Who, O Lord, can stand before you? None. But with you, O Lord Jesus, there is forgiveness. There is grace that our Savior Jesus paid the price for our sin. That we might wear the white robe of his righteousness and stand before you. We thank you for the assurance of salvation. For everyone who believes in Christ, that when death comes our way, we will not float to some place, but rather, Lord, as we trust you, we come into your very presence. And what a joy that is. Thank you, Lord, that we belong to the day, to that day, that great and glorious day. In Jesus' name, amen.